And you're very welcome along. It is the gardening programme here on Midwest Radio on the Saturday morning. Pori Corkin, good morning Good morning, to you. Deirdre. And good welcome. morning. How are things today? Great, great form, yeah. Not a bad all week. Not a bad, well, mixed. A little bit mixed, yeah, 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 for sure. I got the grass cut So, so long as you weren't so. at the ploughing on Wednesday, <laughs> oh, I think, yeah. all, all told. Yeah, pretty, pretty damp. But yeah. anyway, we are going to talk about, uh, well, we're going to talk about hedging in a minute, but I know, first of all, you've got, um, we're kind of going from garden to our furry friends. You've got a pet NCT on. We do, in our Turlock Centre in Castle Bar today from 1 o'clock to 5pm and tomorrow, Sunday, from 1 o'clock uh, to 5pm. It's something we run a couple of times a year, the, pet, the team in our pet department in Turlock run uh, two or three times a year called the Pet NCT. So it's a free event and what we encourage our listeners to come along with their pet pooch, mm-hmm. their favourite pet dog and we have a number of experts there including uh, veterinary nurses, uh, behavioural trainers, dogs or dog trainers, groomers, nutritionists, and so on. It starts with the the, the dog being weighed in. <laughs> <laughs> so we start with weighing them in. Depress and, them, why don't you? And, and obviously move move them through. Then uh, a number of of experts in the pet business. So so the veterinary nurses there to look at them, particularly this time of year, because okay. we're into the time of year for uh, dare I say it, ticks and fleas yes, and that sort of thing. And and uh, the dog probably spends more time indoors over the, the winter period so it's really an NCT to make sure that the pet is in good condition and uh, people can get free advice in terms of how to train a dog, um, how to walk them properly, uh, grooming advice and so on, nutritional advice. So that's running today from 1 to 5pm in our Turlock Centre today and tomorrow. Um, now people need to book, there's only a couple of places left. Okay. So Jason, if you contact Jason um, or Sonia in our Turlock Centre on 09490 31435 or just ring the Turlock Garden Centre and book yourself in if, if you're free between 1 and 5pm. If people want to pop down anywhere with their dog you can certainly talk to the experts as well but if you want to be actually be booked in for a, a for, proper for, session, for a, way in a proper the NCT yes. run through um, and, and if you have any concerns with your dog it's a great place to go down and just get some advice in general on, on the proper food to feed them and, and, and obviously how to train them and, and the vet is there as well. So that's running in our Castle Bar Centre in Turlock 1 to 5pm today and tomorrow. There's four or five places left on each day and uh, if you talk to Jason or Sonia just give them a buzz, book them in and... Uh Great, and it's a free it's a free event. Okay, and is it is is it does it's it matter what kind of a pet it is? It I, isn't. I always t- I, I t- I'm we're a dog house, so I always think in terms of dogs, but uh, so it's it can be dogs or cats or whatever you have. Yeah, so no, it's just dogs. Oh, it's, it's just dogs. Dogs, just okay. dogs today. today what I love about it is you get all the Bichon Freeze owner owners getting together, and you get the and they're all there chatting about their dogs and sho- no, I won't say showing off their dog, but really proud of their well, dogs. You know, for lots of people, dogs are absolutely. like their children. And, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So. There's a great community spirit during the yeah. day as well where people get together and share stories and things. So it's a very relaxed environment. But I suppose if people, it's great to get those experts together in one location and you can, like an NCT, you're bringing your dog through various different sessions. Okay, so a so couple of spaces there anyway. A couple of spaces available, one to five today and tomorrow in our, only in our Turlock Centre uh, in Castlebar. And the number there is 0949031435 and ask for Jason or Sonia. Okay. And as I say, it's a free event. Excellent. Now we're going to talk a bit about hedging. I think today, are well, we? You, you told me that. No, that, I think that, I, that was the topic. You set me up for this. I think last week. No, Isn't that right? I think. Well, I suppose, well, we did have some hedging. We questions did have a lot in. of yeah. questions. In fairness, yeah, yeah. yeah. So people were looking for things like, you know, is it the time of year? Can they still trim hedges back in terms of planting and and all of that? So just to run through it very quickly, and if you've got established hedges, um, you certainly stop feeding at this time of year, and the growth has been quite strong during August and September. So for listeners that may have trimmed their hedges back in July or early August. They're, they have made inches of growth since then. So it's still okay to go out and lightly trim back. So if you've got your laurel hedge or your leyland hedge or your beech hedge mm. or whatever, and it's put on seven or eight inches of growth and it might be looking a little bit untidy at the moment, then late September is a good time to tidy it all back, just to trim it back, not too severely. You don't want to be cutting back into old wood. You want to leave a winter coat on the hedge as much as possible, but certainly neating it back, making it tidy, is this is the time of year to do that. Ideally, if you're when you're trimming hedges, try to trim them wedge-shaped. 
so they should be slightly wider at the base than on top. Okay. So you don't cut the side straight down. And the reason for that is that over a period, if you cut, continue to cut the side of the hedge straight down, they tend to belly out on top. So you get this inverted wedge where the top of the hedge is wider than the base of the hedge. So it's right, so we're getting so try narrow, to have it narrow, inverted. Narrow, right. Yeah. So that it's that it's wider at the base, so it might be a metre wide at the base and maybe uh, 0.8 of a metre wide at the top. So a narrow sloping upwards and inwards. So as you're cutting the hedge, slightly cut it a little bit sharper as you're coming up to the top of the hedge. Again, it's a good idea to have this the top of the hedge slightly rounded because if we get heavy snow during the winter, um, it, it, it tends to fall off it easier. So slightly rounded on the top as well. But in terms of pruning and trimming them back, this is a really super time of year for doing it. We're also coming up to the time for planting hedges in general. So if you're considering putting in a hedge, say in mid-October or late October or November, so we can plant hedges right up to the end of November into the early parts of December. It really depends on the soil conditions. So ideally you want the soil reason you know that you can work it you can dig it that's not excessively wet and um, so if we continue to get very wet weather over the autumn then leave the planting till early spring but traditionally october november is the bare root planting season it's traditionally the time of year we put in the white thorn the black thorn beech hedging laurel hedging Grisellinia, all of those plants are planted traditionally in the autumn time the reason being is that the roots of the plants continue to grow during the winter period. The soil is still very warm mm -hmm. and the roots continue to grow. So you get a better plant if you can plant it in the autumn than planting in the spring. So I always advocate autumn planting if at all possible. So if we get a, a couple of dry weeks, the soil will dry out, it'll be ideal for planting. So if you intend to plant, my advice is to spray now, to treat the area, get rid of any grass or weeds or rubbish that might be there. So capture the next dry day. You know, we had a couple of dry days this week, which would have been ideal for spraying. So what you do is you mark the area. So if it's a hedge, say, going along by a wall or a boundary, mm -hmm. come out about 1.5 metres from the wall itself. Um, I generally put the lawnmower across. If, so if it's grass that's there, just put the lawnmower across it and cut the grass quite tightly. Put down a straight line and then spray it with any glyphosate spray. So something like Weed Feed 360 or indeed the common Roundup could be used because that will kill off any vegetation that's there but more importantly it won't contaminate the soil okay. so that'll take about a week to 10 days to work and then you're good to plant so you take the next opportunity to plant and to put in the hedges when planting you're generally spacing if they're smaller plants putting them in generally two plants per linear meter so for every meter you have of area yeah. you multiply by two it's okay. as simple as that and you've got the number of plants you require if it's something like beach hedging my advice is to put them in to double plant them to stagger plant to beach hedge because otherwise during the winter you'll see through it yeah it won't be as dense so if you want good privacy and good shelter with beach both purple and green beach double plant them and stagger plant them um, and the other tip particularly for things like laurel grislinia privet uh, beach itself it's a good idea to remove the top couple of inches of the plant so when you put them in, take a, an even height overall. So you'll have some plants that might be slightly higher than a metre, some slightly lower. So take an overall midpoint and cut the hedge back, top it all back and give a very light trim to the sides as well. Right. Because as the plant comes into growth then in the springtime, you encourage lots of bushy growth. Do remember as well that um, I think we had a couple of we had a question in a couple of weeks back about instant hedging. So, for example, I, I'm working with a client at the moment on a garden design where they're a retired couple, but privacy and shelter is extremely important to them. So they want to put in the hedging tall, instant. Right. So you can get hedging. You don't have to wait for six years to develop a hedge. You can put plants in one metre high, yep. two metres high, three metres high, if you wish. So on the nursery, there are plants that are seven or eight years old that if you put them in now, they will create an instant hedge, two metres high with dense foliage. So you can literally have an instant wall of foliage overnight, if you wish. And they tell me it's cheaper than building a wall. <laughs> <laughs> By the time you put the foundations on okay. the blocks and you plaster a wall, it's cheaper to put in a, an instant hedge. So you can get hedging. Don't People often think with hedging, it's a small little two litre, small little baby plants that you have to start with. If you can start midpoint or you can start with an instant hedge, literally. So it depends on how quickly you want to create privacy and shelter in your garden. 
So I suppose, yeah, it's, it's, it's like, as they say, it's, it's, it's the double constraint of the time and the money. So you yeah. make a decision as to how quickly you want the hedge and this was what one can afford and then match the two together. Exactly. And, and remember, you don't, have the, you don't have to go for the two extremes. There's a midpoint as well mm. where you can put in a, a hedge that's, that's yeah, so maybe a metre so, yeah, high. So you or, get a meet, exactly, metres halfway or exactly. whichever. You, Depends yeah. on how, how long you're prepared to wait. Because for most hedging plants, if you're putting them in as small young plants, you're waiting between six and eight years to get a really dense full hedge because it takes time to get the height but also get to get the bulk as well because you're trimming it back to get it to fill in on a regular basis. But do bear in mind that if you need to screen off an area, for example, a lot of listeners still have old bits of hedging that died in the frost. 2010. And they're afraid to take them out because they think it's just going to look so bare and, and naked and, and you know it's going to be years before a new hedge is going to establish. Remember you could take those plants out and put in literally an instant hedge. So things like laurels and, and beech and grislinia is available as a two metre high dense plant and you put them side by side and you get yourself and an instant away hedge. You yeah, so overall again for listeners that want to have a go it's a great time for propagating hedging plants. So if you're prepared to wait and grow your own plants then this is a good time in late September, early October for taking the cuttings of plants, if you wish. So again, you take them a little longer than traditional cuttings. So you're taking them nearly a foot long, strip off the leaves, a little bit of rooting powder or rooting liquid, mm-hmm. um, set them up outside in a trench and they'll rouge over the winter period. So really we're coming into the hedging Season. season. This is the time of year. But we're not in bare root as yet. We're not. But do yeah. prepare for it. Don't be waiting to spray. The, I would use this time in September. You get a nice dry, warm day. Mark the area. Spray off your grass. Have it ready so that when the weather comes right and the bare root season starts in, in early November, you're good to go. You're not you know, you're not waiting at mm, that time of mm. year for a dry day yes, to spray it and so on. So yeah. my advice is if you are intending to put in uh, a hedge or you're putting in a new lawn in the autumn or whatever, this is the time of year in September. You get a very good kill at this time of year with weeds and grass. We're using any of the glyphosate based weed killers because they're naturally, the plant is naturally beginning to slow it down and die back anyway. So, so you, you, all you need is a dry day, mark the area, spray it off and, and that will kill. stay clean over the winter period. So even if you don't plant up until the springtime, the area is still ready ready to go. go. Okay. But the bare root season starts normally once the foliage of the plants uh, f- fall off, which is generally about the 1st of November, right through until March, early part of March. Uh, but putting them in in the autumn, as I say, the roots start to initiate, they start to grow, and you do get a stronger and better plant. Okay. Great. So lots to consider there. And we've covered it in depth. I think we've covered it in depth, but I'm sure there'll be a few questions that maybe uh, we haven't touched on. But anyway, um, I suppose, yeah, the key thing is really to maybe make a bit of a plan if there's anything, if it's it's an area of significance and decide for yourself then what is the best course of action to take. Yeah, and look at, pop into the garden centre. What I still advocate to people is take a photograph on your phone and bring it into the garden centre because there's nothing... Trying to describe an area sometimes is very difficult, but if you could take a, a picture of the area that you want to plant, bring it in and we look at the best hedging plant to suit because it depends on the location as well. If you're in a coastal and seaside area, there are specific plants that do very well there. If it's an indoor, if you know, in, in town or mm. urban area. Mm. And also remember, when you're putting in a hedge, you're putting in something for life. Right. So don't put in an overly vigorous hedge where you want a smaller, neater plant. So there are different types of hedgings to use depending on the location, depending on the overall height that you want to achieve and depending on the exposure level. So get some advice. So the easy thing is just take a couple of snaps on the phone, bring them in and we'll give you good advice on it. Excellent. Right, we're going to take a break. Uh, we have some questions in already. If you do have something you'd like us to address on the programme this morning, quick reminder that it's 0818 3055. If you're calling us, and Teresa is working on the programme this morning with us as usual. And if you're giving us a text, it's uh, 087 941 our text service, with thanks to Carb Oil, who are celebrating 30 years this year. He's Brian Cody, Joe Brawley, Michal Amarahertig and many more. He's the incredibly talented and hilarious Aidan Tierney. And this Friday, he'll be making your Friday funny with a special eight-week series of Tierney Talks. Tune into The Breakfast Show this Friday morning on Midwest Radio for the latest episode of Tierney Talks. Brought to you by Specsavers, proud sponsors of the GAA Hawkeye. This September, all stools and chairs, all decorative and novelty lighting, all metal bins are half price in home store and more. But better hurry, because when all the 
the half-price stools and chairs are gone, they're gone. And when all the half-price decorative and novelty lighting is gone, it's gone too. And as for all the half-price metal bins, when they're gone, they're definitely gone. All offers available online at homestoreandmore.ie, as well as in-store at homestoreandmore. Sligo Retail Park Sligo, Well Park Retail Park Galway, Castle Bar Retail Park and N4 Axis Retail Park Longford. Homestoreandmore. Believe what we say. More savings every day. Western Brand Group wish the Mayo ladies the best of luck in the All-Ireland Final this Sunday. Bring home the Brendan Martin Cup. It was a moment that changed everything. Electricity at the flick of a switch. Now that same idea is changing life all over again. Introducing Cyro, light-speed gigabit broadband that comes straight into your home or business in an instant, using the existing electricity network. Life-changing broadband, that's Cyro. Powered by light, brought to you by ESB and Vodafone. Ask your local broadband provider for Cyro today. Wishing the best of luck to the Mayo ladies in the All-Ireland Final from all at Austin Grogan and Sons Limited, Concrete and Sand, Ballyhonus. Hi, Marion here from Tune Mart to advise you that Tune Mart will commence with our special winning sales this Monday, September 25th at 6pm and every Monday thereafter. Contact Tune Mart office on 093-24353. Hope to see you all. Plan your I-do's at the Lodge at Ashford Castle Wedding Showcase on Sunday the 8th of October. A chance to see the handsome light-filled harbour ballroom dressed for a sophisticated celebration. Attendance from 1 until 4pm is complimentary. Registration is essential on 094-954-5400 or thelodgeac.com. Mayo are back in Crow Park again this weekend as their ladies team looks to end the year on a high with an All-Ireland victory over Dublin. In this week's Sunday Independent, don't miss our four-page special on the ladies' football finals. Plus Colm O'Rourke, Joe Brawley, Alan Brogan and Paul Kimmage on last week's All-Ireland Final. The Sunday Independent. The complete read on sport. You're very welcome back to the programme, Porik. I'm going to jump the queue on the questions because uh, we had a little bit of an outpatient's clinic in my office yesterday. Right, okay. Somebody arrived in the door. I want to say good morning to Peggy. I hope you're tuned our way this morning, Peggy. Um, so Peggy has a bromelia and um, I know we've got some photographs, so I'm after showing those to you. We have one in its healthy state and one in its current state right. um, as to whether it's healthy or it's not. It's great to have the both pictures, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it is actually. Thank you very much. Before and after. So it appears that it's dying first question what's wrong and I suppose the observation is that uh, there are some shoots coming from the bottom okay. so, so that tells us a lot over to you that tells us a lot so this is the urn plant bromeliads are, are what we call epiphytes and uh, a lot of them originate in Brazil in the, in the tropical forests in Brazil and t- typically they grow in the crevices of trees where the branch meets the stem bits of moss and, and so on and the bromeliads colonise that area and it's called the urn plant as well is the common name for okay. it because when you water it you water it through the funnel it, through its stem effectively so you don't actually water well you can keep the compost slightly moist but generally most of the water is poured into the funnel or the urn shaped um, stem of the plant so right in the centre where you see the pink flower coming out oh, of there's actually yeah, a yeah, hollow yeah, there yeah, right. so, so the, the actual plant you always have water in that section of the plant. So you literally keep that topped up. Okay? So it's like where it comes from the rainforests or whatever, that's Correct. what it would get. Exactly. It, yeah, okay. That's exactly I the get way it, it works. I get it now. And and the leaves of the bromeliads are shaped in a way that they capture rainfall and it and they divert the, the water right into that funnel. So indoors you mimic that by keeping tepid water in the centre of the funnel all the time. Okay? When it flowers, the bromeliad flower generally lasts three months, two to three months, that pink flower. It's more a bract, it's a modified leaf. Um, But after that three-month period, it dies. And that's what you're seeing in the photograph. The flowers beginning to fade. The centre of the plant actually dies as well. But before it does that, it produces the little offshoots, the little branches that your listener, that... um, Julie? Peggy. 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 The Peggy is seeing now. So what's happening, the, the centre of the plant is beginning to die, which is totally natural, but it's producing two to three offsets right at the base of the plant. So all Peggy needs to do is get a sharp razor, cut those little offsets, cut them literally at the stem of the plant, repot them into small pots, put them into small little pots, they'll root into that 
and you've got yourself a new bromeliate plant and you start the whole cycle off again. So are we saying then that there is only, like it's it's just an annual as such or it just, so it comes into being once and... and yeah, that's, yeah. This the is its way of regeneration. Correct. That's the way it, it propagates and it, itself. it naturally dies off it naturally after dies, its first year. Yeah, so that's totally, done, so Peggy isn't doing anything wrong to the plant. The plant okay. is actually going through its natural cycle. The centre of the plant now will start to die. You take those offsets out, you start them off again and hey presto, you've got yourself three new bromeliads. So you start a whole process and those flowers will typically last, you know, two, three, maybe four months and then they start to fade and go off and that triggers then new side shoots again. So Peggy is doing exactly the right thing with the plant. I used to sell those plants. Did you? 30 years ago. Right, okay. So they're... <laughs> they're they're, they're, they're they around a while. Right. And they're a real easy to grow, hardy, you know, uh, unusual looking plant. And they're, but they're a house plant. Oh, they are oh, yeah. a house plant. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. In, in Brazil, obviously, they grow yeah. out of doors. But um, they, they have to be grown inside. They're frost tender. Um, they like reasonably good light, not not too bright, you know, but a kind of bright windowsill at this time of year. The main thing is to keep the centre of the funnel topped up with water, tepid water. Keep the compost site slightly moist. They don't really, really need a whole lot of feeding, a small bit of liquid feed occasionally. Um, and they're one of these kind of no-nonsense, easy-to-grow uh, plants, but you do have to go through that process of taking off the side shoots, potting them up and growing them on. Okay. And it'll take about six months from the initial potting up six months to a year for that flower spike to be, to be initiated again. And is it a single flower spike? Single, that they generally generate? a single, yeah, a single flower spike on it. Um, so, so that's bromeliad. So that's bromeliad. Yeah, there's a whole, there's a whole, it's like, bromeliads are like, it's a family of these oh. epiphytes. So the urn plant is just one, is of, one many, of many, many. There's gusmanias and there's lots of different ones, but they're all treated in the same way. And they have this kind of funneling centre. Uh, but they, that particular one, the urn plant is probably one of the nicest. It's a lovely pink, big rich yes, pink yeah, And flower. you can get a sense of that there yeah. from that. Okay. Really nice. I, what I'm just wondering is what time is your... Your outpatient's clinic opened at. <laughs> oh, so uh, in selective or times did, only for. How did your answer compare to mine? <laughs> oh no, well, my answer was uh, I'll take I'll take the information on board and oh, I'll, right, I'll okay. refer to the consultant. Okay. Oh. Uh, <laughs> Um, okay, well, listen, brilliant. And uh, I, I suspect uh, they'll be potting on there now for the next week yeah, or two. Yeah, it's, with with it's worth a go. Okay. Now, uh, from Bromeliads, here's something that sounds equally as um, interesting. Uh, somebody bought two hot lips plants yeah. on your recommendation. <laughs> Love them, but don't want them to get too big. When I cut, can I cut them back? Okay, so let's let's unlock okay, so, the hot lips plants. So this is a plant called Salvia hot lips. It's um, I would have promoted it or, or mentioned it in Bloom uh, during my talks at Bloom because it's a great plant for summer colour. As the name suggests, the it's hot lips. So the flowers are red. They're bicolour. They're red and, and white, or red and cream, and they're in the shape of a lip. So there's actually a shape of a lip on the actual flower when you when you look at it closely. Quite a small flower, but lots of flowers produced from the plant. So it's a salvia. It's in the it's a it's in the family, the sage family. Oh, right. And um easy to grow. You know how easy sage is to grow, but because it's um it's in the sage family, it's slightly tender. So if you get a very cold winter, the chances are you lose the plant. So it is a perennial. But it's we term it a half-hardy perennial. So fine if we get a mild winter, and fine if you have it in ground that's not too wet, too heavy. It'll come through no problem. Or if you've got it in a pot, but if it's um, so as a precaution, I would recommend taking some cuttings from the plant. So it propagates from cuttings very, very easily. So take some cuttings again. You know, pencil and pencil thickness. Root them indoors now for over the winter period and you've got yourself nice fresh plants for next year and the mother plant the plant you're going to leave out in the pot or garden just simply cut it back so you could do that now so the trim it back to maybe six inches from soil level <clears throat> those pieces that you remove you can use for cuttings and like i've always mentioned you take off the flowers you strip off the leaves dip it into a bit of rooting powder and put six or eight into a pot and cover with a polythene bag and they'll root within three to four weeks readily on a warm windowsill and you've got salvia hot lips for next year. Now it's a great plant because it flowers from June right up to it possibly is still in flower well up into September. Now September has been very wet this year but traditionally it would normally flower to September early October so it's a really long flowering period as most salvias are. So it's a plant called salvia hot lips. Interesting. Interesting. Bright, colourful. When you see it in flower it is, I mean 
it's literally like that. The, okay, the okay. The, the, flower. <laughs> That's the red, bright red flower. We have um, a little frog with uh, a green and red with frog red lips. here <laughs> yeah. in the studio <clears throat> with red lips. So, uh, so yeah, that's salvia hot lips, well worth growing. But do take some cuttings from it because you may lose the plant during the winter during period, winter. particularly here in the west of Ireland. Right. It's a great plant for if you have a, a raised bed, maybe uh, with very free-draining soil and a sunny spot that kind of mediterranean right. condition similar to lavender the way lavender likes that kind of free draining soil salvia and if anything it does better in an impoverished soil if it's a bit hungry and a right. bit starved Brings it actually it does better yeah it, it tends to make it hardier um okay. so there you go that's salvia hot lips salvia hot lips and okay well, very exotic start to the mm. program altogether in terms of questions we'll come on to things of uh well slightly more mundane nature and grass and uh, lawns in general Porik. a couple of questions i think i put on the autumn feed on too heavy and the grass is burnt uh catherine is wondering will it come back and is there anything that she needs to do and somebody else has just cut the lawn on thursday notice both lawn weeds and a carpet of moss and clover in situ uh, wondering what kind of care does that lawn okay. need? So we're, we're in the time of year for, for putting on the autumn feeds and particularly because September has been so wet this year um, there is a lot of moss you'll see it on slates and tiles never mind on your lawn so it is good a good advice to get rid of that moss now so put on the zero and, and it'll work overnight to eliminate lawn moss I, any weeds again this is a good time of year for tackling the weeds so ideally put on the moss control first of all put on the zero the liquid feed the liquid zero that'll kill the moss overnight give the lawn a feed and then a cup maybe a week or 10 days later you can apply one of the proprietary lawn weed treatments like dicoflar to kill off any broadleaf weeds um, so that would be a good treatment and that sets the lawn up for the autumn all fertilizers are caustic they all have a burning action and most of the autumn lawn feeds have sulfate of iron added to the mix as the moss yes. control so therefore for this listener for the first listener putting it on excess or too heavily you get scorching. Now the grass will come back from that. So ideally, you know, when you're putting on granulated autumn lawn feeds, try and put them on with one of the little spreaders if you can. L- a very light application because they generally most of the bags cover quite a big area. So you're putting them at quite a light application. So trying to apply them by hand, you end up with clumps, clumps and scorching patches yeah. and so on. So um, for that listener that put it on excessively, there's nothing to do really. The rain will wash it through. The grass, whilst it's burnt, will regenerate again and come back. You might find that in sections it's a bit greener and a bit richer looking mm. than other spots but but look at um again as the weather stays or when the weather comes back dry again continue to mow the grass right up to the middle of october and that'll keep it neat and tidy Lovely. so in general people should tackle lawn moss now should feed the lawns continue to mow grass certainly up until the mid to the late october because that helps to thicken it for the winter but do get on top of the moss because it's it will be a problem if you don't treat it and it's only going to continue to spread so nip it in the bud now yeah and i suppose and we, we've had the old you know we have the damp conditions and we and things are warm so it's, it's the it's moss is growing absolutely there's no yeah. question about it and same with the you know moss and paving slabs again this is the time of year because it continues to grow over the winter if you don't treat it so it's a good idea to nip it in the bud. Okay. Now, um, here's an interesting question. Um, a listener is at work and they share an office space with five other people. Okay. Uh, what plants would be suitable for indoors to give some life to the place? Oh, lovely. Yeah, yeah, well, yeah for offices. Yeah, and, that's, and that's, I suppose, something that all offices probably suffer from a little bit, you know. Well, not only offices, but homes as well. And interestingly enough... Um, homes nowadays because they're so in, well insulated mm. because we've got central heating because we all excrete CO2 and we need oxygen most modern homes are more polluted the air inside a home is more polluted than the air okay. externally because you're using sprays, you're using links, you're using whatever, all these sprays that are being used in the home. And we're not getting the air circulation, particularly for the wi- during the winter period, as yeah. you close up the windows. You're, we're basically breathing we're, out we're, CO2. Yeah, and breathing we're spray- back in and- we're spraying all sorts of things. We're using different cleaners and the air pollution. And we've we've gone away from having houseplants in the home because houseplants do the complete opposite. They absorb CO2. formaldehyde and all of these uh, chemicals that are given from, out from sprays and they also absorb CO2 and they Give excrete oxygen. oxygen. So they're the perfect partner in any home. So what I would look for, if it's in an office environment, you tend to have relatively low light and you probably have a little bit of neglect. <laughs> 
<laughs> Let's be well, honest about well, it. Well, you know, people aren't there seven All days the a week. week. Yeah, yeah. And, and somebody has to take responsibility Correct. of looking you, after the plants, isn't that you, it? And you've got some sensory heating, mm. you know, heating on. So one of the plants that will come to my mind is, is um, a plant called the snake plant, which has got um, very strong sword-like leaves green and yellow like the colour of snake skin mm-hmm. um, it's a plant that needs washing once a month excellent and repotting every three years oh. but it's a great plant really easy plant to grow and they come in a whole range of different colour some of the ferns are really good the Boston ferns in particular they do super indoors um, you air mist just a slight little mister with water in it and air mist the fronds or the foliage and again they're, they're a no nonsense low light level easy to care for plant the peace lily is another good one. Uh, nice white flowers, green foliage on it. Um, castor oil plant, which again has big, big leaves, bigger than your hand, huge big leaves on it. They come in variegated forms or green forms. Um, so they're quite good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a plant called the castor iron plant. Okay, is it right? black? No, 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 it's not. It's not. It's called the cast iron plant because it's nearly impossible to kill. <laughs> <laughs> so that's Aspidistra, I think, is the is the actual botanical name from memory. But it's a cast iron plant anyway. It's got again big broad leaves on it. Um, doesn't flower, but it's used for its foliage color. So there are a range of plants, easy to grow. The kind of non-flowering. Now the peace lily, even though it's flowering, is is easy to grow. And there's another plant called the painter's palette. Um, I can't think and of the botanical going, name of okay, it. Okay, so that's a, a colourful one, is it? Painter's palette has has the its flower is the shape of a painter's palette. You know that kind of oh, heart yeah. shape uh-huh. thing, and and it's uh, it's actually a modified leaf. It's not a true flower, but it's brilliant red. It's a really rich red colour, and the flower stays on the plant for nearly three months. So that's called the painter's palette. Um, it's killing me now that I can't think of the botanical name, but it'll come to me in a second. But anyway, that's a really nice plant as well. And they come in different shades as well. So for an office environment, there's lots of really great plants that can be used. And the more plants you introduce into an office environment, the better the air quality. And they say that, you know, de-stresses people and all that. And even having that responsibility having to look after the plant. Um, and it's something when I'm, when I'm over in Holland a lot, I, I visit a lot of the Dutch growers. In their offices, they have hundreds of plants. Right. I mean, literally every desk has five or six plants. Uh, and, uh, you know, there, there's a culture of keeping plants, particularly in, in Europe. Yeah. And they treat them like cut flowers. Um, so, the, um, so, no, no, that's not it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but anyway, so, so, yeah, I'd advocate there's lots of really good plants that can be used in office and home environments. People should consider getting plants for their home because they do excrete oxygen, the key element that... You know, and, and you think of most modern homes now, they are quite stuffy. We don't With have the, the, the we don't have the you know, the the, the windows no, that rattle yeah, in. Yeah, yeah, or a bit of yeah. a, a bit of a gap. Everything somewhere. is double yeah, or treble it is, glazed it and it's yeah. it's heating and, and things. That so is true, yeah. I'd highly encourage people uh, to, to have house plants in their home. And I think it also just even from an aesthetic point of it's view, lovely. it really just adds a little bit yeah. of something. Yeah. 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 Or even at this time of year you could pot up um you could do even some paper whites and scented hyacinths and have them growing for Christmas. You know, getting that bit of scent and, and colour um, and foliage into the home is a great idea. So I hope that answers the question. Okay, yeah, definitely. Quite a, quite a few options yeah, there. Yeah, there's some very yeah, easy... Yeah. People have this idea that houseplants are difficult. They're not actually if, if they get some... Go for easy care ones and, um, you know, yep, and stick you, with them. And you'll be away. Yeah. Um, uh, 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 sorry, what apple trees can grow in half barrels, Vorik? Well, I would go for the dwarf miniature uh, varieties. So varieties like the uh, coronet family would be really good. There's a lovely tree called the family tree, which has two varieties grafted onto the one tree, two eating varieties on the one tree. So you literally only need it planted into a half barrel, maybe underplanted with um, some strawberry plants. And that makes a lovely piece on a patio or a balcony or a, an area. And you've got, you know, two different apple trees working together with strawberries underneath it. So the coronet family, there's 13 varieties in the range and um, they're excellent from cooking varieties to eating varieties. Um, so go simply stick to the coronet family. They're, they're neat, they're easy to care for and they're very productive. Even if you plant them this year, you'll have fruit next year from them. Uh, now, I know we have covered hydrangeas fairly extensively in the last sure couple of weeks. Have. So just one more time. If I had a penny for every hydrangea <laughs> so, question. So uh, we'll just, we'll answer this and we're not going to come back to hydrangeas this morning. Uh, Kitty is wondering, when do I prune my hydrangea? It's growing very wild and it's taking up a lot of space. Well, Kitty can do one of two things. She can either decide just to cut the hydrangea back severely 
I mean, really hard back, as you would a rosebush, um, uh, to get it back to shape, to take out a lot of the dead wood and basically rejuvenate the plant and put some manners, I suppose, on the size of the plant. Um, now, what Kitty will find is it'll come back into leaf next year, it'll grow really well, but it won't flower. But it will come back into flower the following season. So you stop it from flowering one year if you really trim it severely back. Alternatively, you can leave it and then wait until springtime. Um, so in March, then you just take out the shoots that the plant flowered on this year. So any shoots that haven't borne flowers, you leave alone because they'll flower this summer. But any of the shoots that had flowers this year, the old withered stems, they can be pruned back as well. But I'm guessing that it probably is better for Kitty to cut it actually severely back. Forsake the flowers for one year. The plant will still grow, still be a ball of green leaves, but you'll have no flowers this year. Right. But it will put some manners on the plant and kind of tidy it up and rejuvenate it. You'll get rid of a lot of the old dead wood and a lot of the bulk and you'll put it into a neater shape. And then the, 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 the following summer, it'll come back, back into flower again reliably. Okay, we're going to take a break. We've got lots more to come after these. The cabin and Oxley got shagging from Dockside. Thank you. Folks, Tommy McInerney here for Carbon Monoxide Awareness Week. And to tell the truth, I'm spitting feathers that you're still not getting the message that your chimbleys have to be swept and appliances serviced once a year. Because the old carbon monoxide can come from any fuel that burns at all at all. So, to save your neck, get an audible carbon monoxide alarm today. I'm dead serious. Have a gander on carbonmonoxide.ie. At McVan Furniture Ballina, affordability is not just a name, it's a promise. Come see our super high quality furniture range. In fact, come clean us out. McVan Furniture Ballina. Find us on Facebook. For a super night of dancing, join Mick Flavin and his band this Sunday night in the McWilliam Park Hotel, Clare Morris. Experience the very best cuisine North Mayo has to offer with a visit to the Merry Monk, Killala Road, Ballina. All our vegetables are homegrown, 100% chemical free, and you have to taste our delicious and unique local roast lamb at the Merry Monk. Enjoy our live music every weekend and watch all your sporting events on one of our five TV screens. The Merry Monk, Ballina. A truly heavenly experience not to be forgotten. Get autumn ready with Clarence at Quinn's Pharmacy Ballina. Choose three deluxe-sized complimentary beauty treats with the purchase of two or more Clarence products. One to be skincare. Available until September the 23rd. One gift per customer while stocks last. So ladies, drop into Quinn's Pharmacy Ballina. Remember, you can choose three free deluxe-sized beauty treats with the purchase of two or more Clarence products. One to be skincare at Quinn's Pharmacy Ballina. Relay for Life is a 24-hour event that celebrates the lives of cancer survivors, remembers those lost to cancer and fights back by raising money to fund vital research and services. Starting at 6pm this Saturday and finishing at 6pm Sunday in Brafie Sports Arena. We're inviting cancer survivors to open our event for us and enjoy a complimentary meal. Let us know you're coming. Call Lorraine on 087 281 Let's all come out and celebrate, fight back and remember and raise vital funds for the Irish Cancer Society. See Castle Bar Relay for Life Facebook page today. Westport celebrates its 250th birthday this Sunday, September the 24th with the Community Street Carnival. Join us for great street food at Mayo's Longest Dining Table together with family fun, street performances and great live music. Now, you're very welcome back. <laughs> <laughs> Anthurium, wasn't Anthurium, it? Anthurium. Anthurium is the painter's palette. Yeah, yeah. The mind is gone, definitely. Yeah, yeah, we Anthurium, had to... <laughs> yeah, yeah, I should remember that. It's the painter's palette. Yeah, and it is a beautiful colour if it's you're looking for plant. something more than just green. And look at a great mayo plant, the lovely red flowering oh, green sure leaf. Hey, I should have thought of that weeks ago. Yeah, for the day that's in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah it's a painter's palette. Look for that one. Okay. Um... Can you uh, can you ask Porik how do you sow acorns? Asks Mary. Okay, well, the acorn is of course the seed of the oak, and um, it's actually uh, of the seed is actually encased in obviously the the shell. So the, first of all, you collect the seed this time of year. Wait for them to fall onto the ground and collect them. My advice is to put them into water overnight, simply because the seeds that are viable will sink, and those that are uh, unviable will float to the top. So if you could gather up 50 seeds and throw them all into a bucket, 90% percent of them will fall to the bottom and they're all seed that should be sown. The second thing then is to sow them out of doors because they need a cold, frosty period out of doors. Okay. Um, so you bury them generally about two inches 
into the ground. So create a little seabed somewhere in the veg garden or in containers or whatever and simply sow the shells, the, the acorns themselves, into that area, cover them with about two inches of soil and over the winter period, the, the frost and the rain and the hardship will break down the dormancy and come the spring, you'll get a flush of small little oak seedlings beginning to germinate. Now, not all the seed will germinate. Some, some of the seed will germinate the following winter or spring. So they often can take up to two years. So it's kind of a bed that you're going to leave for the next two years uh, in, the gar- in the area. So sow maybe 100 seed. This spring, I would, I would envisage you'd have at least 20 to 30% of those germinating. And then the following uh, spring, you'll get the, the last, you know, 60 or 70% mm-hmm. germinating. And you simply let them grow on for a year or so to become small, strong little seedlings. Lift them in November, the following November, and transplant them out to wherever you want them to grow. So it's as simple as that. You're just mimicking what nature would do. The squirrels normally bury no, them or whatever. And, um, of course, the squir- squirrels forget where they've put the seed. They're, they don't come back to all their hordes. Yeah, yeah, those that they bury obviously go through gotcha. that process of having the winter chill, germinating the spring and growing as new oak trees. And they are a slow tree to grow. To grow. So yeah. just bear that in mind, yeah. the humble oak. It's, it's a long-term plan. It's a long-term plan. But yeah, well worth and great for the children to get involved. And lots of trees are producing seed, like beech produces its mass seed as well at this time of year. Hawthorn, we see it covered in berries this year. You could collect the hawthorn berries as well and sow them in exactly the same way. Most seed, most of the tree seed needs that chill period. Mm. If you sow them in trays indoors, it just doesn't it's work. Hard. So okay. they need that cold, frosty period out of doors. So a little raised bed or even, a, a, you know, an old tomato box with good drainage on it, anything at all that'll hold a bit of soil and put them into it. And you've got to wait to be prepared to wait up to two years for them to germinate. Now, Jerry's in Clare Galway and he's wondering, any idea why my Acer Autumn Blaze has lost its leaves already? I planted it in the spring. I made the mistake of putting grass cuttings around the base to retain moisture during the summer. Okay, well... Or is that a mistake? Well, it depends what level, how much grass clippings because, you know, ideally plants need to, when you're planting a a tree in the garden, it needs to be put down at the original depth. If you're covering it with soil or with uh, grass clippings, you're you're cutting out some of the air getting down to the root structure. Now, a light layer is absolutely no harm whatsoever, but if you're piling it up around the base of the plant, that can cause problems. To check is the tree okay, it's, it's very early for Acer Autumn Blazed have dropped its foliage. They're just going through the process now of changing colour and it's a beautiful tree for autumn colour. I would expect it to drop its leaves about the end of October, early November. So it is quite early. To check is the tree still healthy, you simply scrape the bark. So with your thumb, just or with a small sharp knife, just scrape back the bark, the main stem or some of the side stems. If it's green inside, it's still alive. If it's gone brown and brittle, the tree has died as simple as that so um, again if Joe wants to bring maybe a piece of the tree into me into the garden centre I'll actually be there tomorrow afternoon in in Turlock and Castle Bar so if he wants to drop in and bring a, just a small uh, cutting of the, the tree in I'll, I'll check it for him just see is it still alive and kicking Now we have a question on dividing perennials especially Lucifer um, do I cut them back first can I cut back gladioli now it's it's a, a little early. I'd wait for gladioli to wait until the leaves actually go yellow and brown. And once they've gone to that stage, certainly you cut the stems back because you're allowing the energy. It's a bit like the daffodils in the spring. The gladioli produce a new corm, a new bulb each year, but it, it's built up on the the uh, foliage dying back. Yes. So it's a bit, they're probably still a bit green at this time of year. In terms of the lucifer, so that's Crocrosmia lucifer, lovely plant with red, really vivid red, lucifer as in as the devil yeah. and the fire. Um, it's got that really brinch, br- brilliant orange-red colour. So this is the time of year for dividing it. So you literally cut it back with a hedge trimmers, dig the plant up. It's got small little bulblets and you can simply sp- um, take a cluster of those and spread them somewhere else. So it's a bit like uh, propagating daffodils. You dig up the clump of the Crocrosmia lucifer, split it in two or three pieces and put it somewhere else and cut back the foliage at the same time. And in general, this is the time of year for uh, propagating many herbaceous plants like hostas, can be d- dug up and divided, penstemons, um, phlox, the perennial phlox, ground covering geraniums, all of those can be propagated simply by digging them up. A sharp axe or spade, divide them into pieces repot them into pots if you wish or just plant them back into the garden soil and you've got yourself new plants. 
Okay, so so any time over the next, you know, three to four weeks, it's a really just dig the whole clump up and literally just split it into pieces. Okay, so you can be a bit brutal with the whole. You thing. can actually, literally, an axe with a sharp axe, yeah. you can literally split it into pieces and those each of those clumps leave a good cluster or clump and plant them maybe two put three clusters in together space them a foot apart and they'll form a new plant um, a still base and spireas all of those can be split so many herbaceous plants plants that produce underground stems and kind of self-propagate naturally they're yeah. ideal for digging up and splitting and moving to other areas now giving, we, them, giving away to family and friends as well put them into pots and containers hold them yeah. over the winter period and you've got yourself lovely strong plants then in March to give to other yeah. people and the crocosme I, I do think is fabulous I mean it really brings a show of colour particularly uh, that variety yeah. Lucifer because yeah. the common the common crocosme it can become a bit of a weed it can spread right. you'll see it growing on ditches and, and, and banks is that the more pinky one it's no it's more a, a yellowish right. a yellowish colour more a, a yellowish orange yeah. orangish colour whereas Lucifer is a brilliant red it's, 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 it's a, really striking yeah but it's yeah. it's very it's a lot more um, you know controlled and it's, it's better behaved it's more of a garden, garden plant it is it is and a really nice plant as you say now primula and tulips poric yeah. in pots since last year they're very cramped do I feed them and leave them in the pot or should I repot them or should I plant them out or what should I do okay well I would well, you can do lots of those options but what I would do with them is to take them out of the pot replenish the compost and plant them back into the same pot. So all you're doing is taking the plants out, cleaning them up, tidying them up, any old tattered leaves on the primulas, take them off. Check for vine weevil as well, which is a small little maggot that often attacks polyanthus and primulas on the root structure. So just have a look at the roots. It's a small white maggot. It's very easy to see. But basically, shake off any compost, dump the old compost, clean back the bulbs and literally repot, put in fresh compost, make sure there's a good drainage hole in the bottom of the container, fill it up with compost, put in your layer of tulips, another layer of compost and finish it off then with the primulas on top and maybe stick in a few winter pansies or winter violas to add a bit of colour at this time of year because the primulas won't flower until Until. next March or April and and same with the tulips. Uh, But it's a great time to plant containers in general, winter heathers, winter pansies, uh, primulas, there's lots of cyclamen which are flowering at the moment and will continue through Christmas and into spring of next year. And indeed all the bulbs, this is the time of year to plant them. Now, Eddie has a young apple tree, two years old. It was fine thriving till early summer. Then the leaves went brown, they dried out and are dying, falling off. The bark over time has peeled off as well. It appears to have died. I have other healthy apple trees doing fine. What might Well, be it sounds problem? like if the, if the bark is peeling, it sounds like bacterial canker, which is a a disease of apple trees. Um, it's a canker, so the, the stem gets very ruffled, it splits, it sometimes oozes a sap, um, but it's very distinctive. I mean, if you if you Google uh, bacterial apple canker, you'll see the actual symptoms. So the bark, rather than being smooth, mm. it becomes very ruffled and um, it cracks. And, and basically what happens, the, the vessels, the xylem and the phloem that carry the water and nutrition to, to the plant in, are inside the bark and they basically die. So the, the, the bacterial canker rings the tree and it cuts off the available moisture and nutrition and the top portion of the plant dies. Right. And that sounds what's happening here. Now, it's, it's, it's it unusual. Well, it is if it's only a small area. Right. because So the bacterial canker tends to start in a spot and then it spreads around the tree over time. The fact that the tree is only two, year, two years old, it's unusual that bacterial canker has got onto it at this stage, but Eddie is describing the exact symptoms of it. So what I would ex- suggest is he takes a photograph of the area. Um, he can either send it in here to the programme at... Uh, what are we, what are we we're, what's well, garden at midwestradio.ie garden at midwestradio.ie or if he brings it into to me in the garden centre as I say I'm there tomorrow afternoon I'll have a look at it for him and just um, diagnose yes. exactly what it is if it's only a small bit of bacteria canker that can be certainly treated to answer your question uh, it can be literally a little bit yeah. of sandpaper sandpaper it off and we have a fungus treatment that can go on to the area and stop it okay. and control it and or you might be able to prune it out if it's on a if it's not on the main stem it's only on a side mm. branch it can be literally pruned out as well so a bit of surgery maybe okay. or some you know just rectifying the problem if it's on the main stem but and would it be a possibility that it would spread to the other trees yes okay. bacteria canker in the west of Ireland particularly in a wet summer 
you tend to get a lot of it because it's spread like blight, potato blight. It's spread by moisture. It's spread from apple to apple or tree to tree. And you do get... It's very common here in the west right. of Ireland, you okay. know. So, uh, so it is so just to, to, to be, I suppose, conscious of the bigger Absolutely. picture there. And having said that, trees. this is actually a good time. Generally, the bacterial canker can often enter when the leaves are beginning to fall off the tree in the autumn. Mm-hmm. They leave a little leaf scar. You often see it on horse chestnut, or the bigger. It leaves a kind of a little flesh. Uh, or open flesh or open wound and that's where bacteria can get in so it's often a good idea at this time of year to put on a, 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 a fungicide something like fungus clear which is a liquid you mix it in water you spray it onto the foliage and stem of the so apple tree and that helps to protect the tree against bacterial canker but bring me in pictures that's a great way if you've got a problem take a photograph on your phone bring it into the garden centre and I'm there tomorrow after one o'clock if people want to see me perfect don't to see the pooches down to see the pooches, absolutely. <laughs> uh, now, Coach is uh, has a problem, well, just to query on onions. Uh, they look saved, but the necks of some of them are still damp. Now, do I hang them or sit them upside down in light or shade? It seems simple, but every year they mould on them. And rot, yeah, and particularly this year, with, with all the moisture. Onions are, are full of moisture, and they, the trick is to dry them really well before you store them for the winter, because otherwise they just literally rot. Um, and that's just down to the moisture content in the plant. So ideally, if they need to be dried, so you can hang them, hang them up into nets, but put them into a very airy, uh, somewhere like a natick or somewhere warm and dry to get the actual moisture content a lot lower. It's like when they take moisture out of oats and wheats and barley mm. for the farmers. So you're trying to dry the onion as much as possible before you store it. So um, try to put it in somewhere airy, somewhere really dry, and, and that'll start to, that'll help to store it better. Okay, great. Uh, do you take off the netting that is around the fat balls before putting them into the feeder for birds? And what is the purpose? No, the, the, the fat ball is basically a ball of suet and fat with seeds, things like sunflower seed and wild bird seed all mixed together. So the, the birds, when they're feeding off the fat ball, they're eating the fat. It's no difference than using fat from the frying pan. Birds absolutely love that because yeah. it's full of protein and fat and nutrition for them and it helps to build them up. So the fat ball is a kind of a congealed ball of a whole load of protein and fat mixtures. You leave the netting on and the birds pick it through. Now you need a special, there's a special fat ball holder. Okay. So it's a, a cylindrical tunnel or a unit that you just drop generally two to three balls into and the birds come and feed off it. So leave the netting on. And uh, that holds the whole mix together. Otherwise, but, it'll be all over the place. Yeah, but this is—it's a really good point, though. This is the time of year to start feeding birds to build them up for the winter. So don't leave it until we get frosty weather. Start feeding them now. Build them up. Sunflower seed is brilliant. Fat balls are brilliant. And try to put in a mixture of different feeds, and you'll bring in different species of birds in as well, and build them up for next year. Great. Uh, one more, I think, before we finish up. The name of the red climber I see on older house walls. How quickly will it grow? It's very visible. I've just they're seen a couple of them this moment. year. Yeah, yeah, they're brilliant. The this is their time. Yeah. This is their and time. And they are? Called? Well, well there, there's two varieties. Yeah. There's one called Boston Ivy, which has got a very, what we call a compound leaf. It's got one large leaf in the shape of your hand. Very, very colourful. Or there's, the other one is Virginia Creeper. Um, tricuspidata, three-leaved. So it's got three leaves making up the one leaf. So they're slightly two different varieties. I'd prefer the Boston Ivy myself. I think it gives better colour. I think it's a nicer, neater plant. Um, Both are self-clinging. Both are very, very vigorous. And this is the time of year to plant them. And when you're planting them, make sure the soil is prepared really well because it's a long-term plant. It's going to be there for 50 or 60 years. And the other thing is to spread it left and right on the wall okay. to, and let it fill it but Boston Ivy or Virginia Creeper OK we'll have to leave it there Park. NCT over the weekend Pet NCT ring yeah. the store book, book a place 1 to 5 both Saturday and Sunday OK lovely listen thank you very much indeed See you next week it's absolutely back in action again next week uh, stand by coming your way next here on Midwest Radio on this Saturday morning uh, Michael Neary along with Country Classics I'm back next Saturday just after 7 until then have yourselves a great weekend and to the ladies tomorrow good luck